I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. I appreciate you joining me today and tuning in. Uh, hopefully we can get through this, this time together uh, because here I am. I'm in my brand new studio, uh, the new permanent home of Outside the Walls. Uh, but there, you know, the last two weeks we were in our, our temporary studio and we made it, we made do, we, we muddled through. We had uh, some time with just you and me and a, a great interview with some friends of mine from China. Uh, this week it's just you and me again. Because uh, the studio here has a few more bells and whistles and buttons and knobs than I'm familiar with. Uh, And so it's going to be a little bit of a a task and a learning curve uh, to figure out how to get this uh, to where I can do interviews again. So we'll we'll have those next week. The interview I had planned for this week, we're going to do next week. And it works out better because the topic really coincides with something else important that's going on. No, no, I know what you're thinking, but it's not No Shave November. It's something else entirely. Uh, You know, it is the beginning of November. That's true. And No Shave November does occur there. But this this coming up uh, first week of November is also National Adoption Week. And so next week we're going to have an an interview with the director of uh, the International Foster System here from the Diocese of Fort Worth Catholic Charities. But uh, we also have an interview with a, a young woman about what adoption meant to her. It's going to be a great, uh, great show. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, that was going to be this week. We've postponed it till next week. And uh, in the midst of all of this, all the postponing and the figuring out and the uh, pressing buttons and having them not work the way that I expected them to, I spent my fair share of time asking for the intercession of the saints. And... Uh, so I've decided that this week, since we are on the, the vigil right now, the vigil of all saints, it's coming up, uh, that we would spend time today talking about the communion of the saints. So we say that in the creed, in the Apostles' Creed, generally that's the creed that we say around the times of baptism, right? We say the Apostles' Creed as we proclaim our faith. And we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So what does that mean, the communion of the saints? We're going to talk about that later in the show. But as always, we're going to start with a time of prayer, with the readings from Scripture and the readings from church history. Now, all of today's readings are taken from, obviously, the, the Scripture readings, not for today, but for all saints, uh, and not the, the, all the breviary readings, all the all the readings that we have are from the feast of all saints. Since we're talking about the saints today, so let's go ahead and start. God is the reward of all the saints. Let us joyfully call upon Him, Lord, save your people. O God, source of all that is holy. You have let your holiness shine in many marvelous ways through the lives of your saints. Help us to celebrate your greatness in them. The lives of your saints have given testimony to your Son, Jesus Christ. Through their example, may we draw closer to him. King of heaven, you have given us the courage to follow after your Son. Help us to imitate the example of the saints who show us the way to Christ. Father, 
In the Eucharistic sacrifice, you unite us more fully with those who now live in your kingdom. By our frequent sharing in the body and blood of your Son, bring us to the company of the eternal banquet. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, today we rejoice in the holy men and women of every time and place. May their prayers bring us your forgiveness and love. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 2. I, John, saw another angel come up from the east, holding the seal of the living God. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who were given power to damage the land and the sea. Do not damage the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. I heard the number of those who had been marked with the seal, 144,000, marked from every tribe of the children of Israel. After this, I had a vision of a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation comes from our God who is seated on the throne, and from the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. They prostrated themselves before the throne, worshipped God, and exclaimed, Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor, power and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders spoke up and said to me, Who are these wearing white robes? And where did they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you are the one who knows. He said to me, These are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 7. Our responsorial psalm today comes from Psalm 24. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. The Lord's are the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? One whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Today's second reading comes from the the book of 1 John, chapter 3. Of course, we have the second reading today because today is a a solemnity. Of course, it it falls on a Sunday, but even if it didn't, it would still be the Holy Day of Obligation and and the solemnity, the major feast. And so we have the second reading from 1 John, chapter 3. Beloved, see what love the Father has bestowed on us 
that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure as he is pure. That second reading today comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 3. Today's gospel comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Today, our reading from church history is going to come from St. Bernard, from a homily he gave. Why should our praise and glorification, or even the celebration of this feast day, mean anything to the saints? What do they care about earthly honors when their heavenly Father honors them by fulfilling the faithful promise of the Son? What does our commendation mean to them? The saints have no need of honor from us. Neither does our devotion add the slightest thing to what is theirs. Clearly, if we venerate their memory, it serves us, not them. But I tell you, when I think of them, I feel myself inflamed by a tremendous yearning. Calling the saints to mind inspires, or rather arouses in us, above all else, a longing to enjoy their company, so desirable in itself. We long to share in the citizenship of heaven— to dwell with the spirits of the blessed, to join the assembly of patriarchs, the ranks of the prophets, the council of the apostles, the great host of martyrs, the noble company of confessors, and the choir of virgins. In short, we long to be united in happiness with all the saints, but our dispositions change. The church of all the first followers of Christ awaits us, but we do nothing about it. The saints want us to be with them, and we are indifferent. The souls of the just await us, and we ignore them. Come, brothers, let us at length spur ourselves on. We must rise again with Christ. We must seek the world which is above and set our minds on the things of heaven. Let us long for those who are longing for us. Hasten to those who are waiting for us, and ask those who look for our coming to intercede for us. We should not only want to be with the saints, we should also hope to possess their happiness. While we desire to be in their company, 
we must also earnestly seek to share in their glory. Do not imagine that there is anything harmful in such an ambition as this. There is no danger in setting our hearts on such glory. When we commemorate the saints, we are inflamed with another yearning, that Christ our life may also appear to us as he appeared to them, and that we may one day share in his glory. Until then, we see him not as he is, but as he became for our sake. He is our head, crowned not with glory, but with the thorns of our sins. As members of the head, crowned with thorns, we should be ashamed to live in luxury. His purple robes are a mockery rather than an honor. When Christ comes again, his death shall no longer be proclaimed. We shall know that we also have died, and that our life is hidden with him. The glorious head of the church will appear, and his glorified members will shine in splendor with him when he forms this lowly body in you into such glory as belongs to himself, its head. Therefore, we should aim at attaining this glory with a wholehearted and prudent desire, that we may rightly hope and strive for such blessedness. We must, above all, seek the prayers of the saints. Thus, what is beyond our own powers to obtain will be granted through their intercession. That reading comes from St. Bernard uh, on a, a homily that he gave on the solemnity of all saints, which we will celebrate tomorrow, November 1st, unless, of course, you're listening to this late and then you missed it. It's always November 1st. And St. Bernard has a lot to offer us here as we, as we contemplate what it means uh, for us to live out the communion of saints. We're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come back from this break. Uh, how does the communion of the saints play out in our faith? I want you to be a part of this conversation. Jump on over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And tell me about your favorite saint. Tell me about a way that the story of a saint has spurred you on uh, and driven you to holiness. I want to know more about it. Why don't you give it the hashtag? Hashtag Saints Go Marching In. I want to hear that story. You're listening to Outside the Walls. back to Outside the Walls. Today we are talking about the communion of the saints, and uh, this is something that, that as a convert, uh, is kind of a new revelation to me. You know, we um, in the Protestant Church didn't really have saints as, as we have them in the Catholic Church. We didn't recognize the, the communion of the saints in the same way that we do as Catholics. Uh, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that and maybe tell you some of my story of coming into a relationship with the whole church. We say that we're the body of Christ, but we're not just the body of Christ with other Christians who are here. Uh, in fact, there's some traditional names that have been given to the church uh, by uh, throughout history. We've got the, the church triumphant. That's the church of the saints, the church in heaven before the throne of God. They are triumphant. They've overcome uh, all that this world threw at them, and they are enjoying the presence of 
of Christ forever, seeing him face to face. Then there is the church suffering. That's the church in purgatory. Uh, Of course, that's a topic for another day. and, And of course, that's a topic we'll cover here on the show. What do we mean by purgatory? What's the purpose of purgatory? But for now, let's suffice to say that those who are being purified uh, go through suffering. And if you've ever been purified, you know exactly what that's like. So we have the church triumphant in heaven. We have the church suffering that is in purgatory. And then we have the church militant. Uh, And that's the church who is actively working to bring about that, that command of Christ, that part of the prayer that he taught us, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, that, that song by Sarah Groves there just really drives me toward that picture of, of being actively, militantly involved in bringing about the kingdom of God on earth. And we think, oh, well, militant, that's, a, that's an extreme term. Uh, and yet, what, what extreme actions we see by Blessed Mother Teresa, who was mentioned in that song, who uh, in Calcutta stayed by the dying gave up everything that she had to accompany them on their journey. Uh, we see that in, in the lives of the missionaries all around the world who are actively working, not, uh, not against flesh and blood, uh, but against the principalities, against uh, all that in the heavenly realms that are attempting to oppose us, right? And they are uh, bringing about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, sometimes that looks maybe a little militant in a, in a passive kind of a way. I think of, of those who were martyred in South America and in Japan over, over the centuries who stood up to an oppressive government on behalf of the people and met their end because of that, because they were vocally advocating the dignity of the human person, the value of the soul that was also mentioned there in that song. So today we're talking about the communion of the saints, that communion that we share between the three parts of the church, the church militant and the church suffering and the church triumphant. We are all one church. It's not just that there's one church here on earth. uh, It's that there's only one church. There's only one church that belongs to Jesus Christ and all those who are members of that church, uh, past, present, and future. We are all one church. And the church helps one another. We are a community, a communion of saints. So, you know, in the Protestant world, they may not recognize it, but they have a concept of sainthood, right? If you if you bring up Billy Graham or you bring up uh, some well-known and well-beloved speaker, uh, whether it be um, in, in my former denomination, uh, you had John Wesley, right? And John Wesley was the uh, the the kind of standard that everyone looked to theologically for, uh, for moving forward and for sanctity and for holiness. And so, uh, they would look to him as we look to the saints. We look, uh, to St. Bernard and, and who we read today, uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who gave, uh, much of her life and sacrificed for the sake of the church, right? You have, uh, St. Catherine Drexel, who, sacrificed for the sake of the church. Uh, and, and I just, I think that that's something that calls to us, as St. Saint, Saint Bernard said in that homily, that we look at their lives and we celebrate them and we venerate them not for their sake, 
not because the saints need anything from us, but rather because we need something from them as we look at their lives of heroic virtue and we see uh, lives that were solely devoted to Christ, who gave up all kinds of creature comforts that we enjoy, and they did it for the sake of Christ. And we, we look and see in their lives what Jesus meant when he said, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done to me. There in Matthew 25, uh, if you feed the hungry, if you clothe the naked, if you, uh, you know, visit those who are in prison and comfort the sick, all of these things that Jesus mentioned, we can look around and see people who have done it with great success, who have lived lives of virtue, even sometimes at their own expense, at the expense of their own pleasure, the expense of their own comfort. And they have given all of that as a sacrifice to Christ. And truly, they're enjoying their reward in heaven. Uh, they don't need us to, to think of them. We need to think of them. And when we think of them, it strengthens our faith and it urges us on to holiness. I'm going to talk to you about my experience in picking a confirmation saint. You know, I was coming in from the, the Protestant church and I was still maybe not completely comfortable with this idea of prayer to saints. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the next segment. Uh, I intellectually understood it and I agreed with it, but I was sure that the saint that I was going to pick uh, for my confirmation saint was going to be one of the, the, the saints out of the Bible, out of the scriptures, so that I could say, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I know that I know that there are saints. So I'm going to stay very biblical and very centered on uh, what I understand. And <laughs> wouldn't you know it, that's, that's not how it all worked out. Um, I began to learn about the lives of the saints, about specific saints, about recent saints, and they were uh, really kind of burrowing into my consciousness. And one in particular, St. Maximilian Kolbe, uh, really caught my attention for a number of reasons. One, he was uh, involved in proclaiming the gospel, something that was very important to me. Uh, two, he was involved in uh, in disseminating through various forms of media, uh, the truth. He did it through magazines and through newspapers. And of course, uh, in my former life, I was a graphic designer. And so that was something that was very interesting to me, uh, having done layout and page layout and all that kind of thing. Uh, and so, oh, well, you know, there you go. You've got a guy who, uh, who understands, right? He understands what it's like to be under a deadline. Uh, and then, and then lastly, here he is a man in Auschwitz, who was persecuted by uh, the Nazis, who uh, w when he heard, when he was uh, standing there watching the Nazis pull out 10 people to execute, uh, to, uh, to punish them for one having disappeared, uh, they, uh, there was one man who cried out and he said, my, my, my wife, my children. And so St. Maximilian Kolbe stood up and he offered to go in that man's place. And so for me, coming into the church, and I was about to, uh, to be uh, working with the bishop in marriage and family life, and to see here was this saint who didn't think of his own life, but thought of the good of a family. He laid his life down so that another family might stay together. Uh, and that was, that was a very powerful act, a very militant act. And yet it wasn't his last very active, very militant act. So he and the nine others were taken uh, to the, the, uh, the prison block where they were starved. And so for 13 days, uh, he would lead the people in prayer, uh, kneeling in the middle of his cell 
And every time they came to check on him, there he was. He was kneeling in, in the cell. And so after two weeks of dehydration and starvation, only Colby remained alive, Maximilian Colby. And the guards wanted the bunker empty, so they gave him a lethal injection. And as they came to administer that, they found him, as always, kneeling there in the middle of the cell. And he is said to have calmly raised his arm and waited for the injection as that last militant act of, you don't take my life, but I give it. And so that was a real challenge to me as I was entering into this new phase of life, this, uh, this place that I didn't completely understand. Uh, and so through the life of Maximilian Colby, God was asking me, are you willing to lay down your life for the sake of family? Are you willing to lay down your life uh, with those who are opposed to you? Are you willing? And so I had to say, yes, I am willing. I'm willing to offer my life uh, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of families. And so that was a very powerful experience for me uh, and not at all one that I expected. So much more to that story. Maybe you've got your own story. Uh, I want to hear about your saint story, something that means a lot to you. What I want you to do is to give me that on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag Saints Go Marching In. Join the conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. Twitter the handles at Outside the Walls. I want to know what you have to say. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we're talking about the communion of the saints. Communion of the saints is one of those, uh, those terms that doesn't really make sense on the face of it. Uh, it's not one of those that's completely obvious, like uh, baptism. We get that when we say, uh, I believe in one baptism, right? That makes sense. Uh, when we say, I believe in the resurrection of the body, while it's still a, a miraculous thing, uh, we can conceptualize of what we mean when we say, I believe in the resurrection, right? That's Jesus died and was resurrected. Uh, we know what that means. But then we get to this term, I believe in the communion of the saints. And that one's a little bit more ambiguous. It's a little bit trickier to wrap our minds around. So in the last segment, we talked uh, about me picking my confirmation saint. And of course, I, I was a little antsy about picking a confirmation saint when I first came into the church. I was going to first going to pick one of these, you know, biblical people because uh, they were they were a little bit easier to, to grasp their holiness. Right. Oh, well, the Bible, the Bible tells me everything they did. And so that's the Bible tells me so. That's a very Protestant ideal that I was still carrying some of those vestiges from that uh, it has to be found it has to be found in the Bible. Uh, that's a topic for another day, another show, but that's where I was. I was uh, trying to pick something that that was a little bit more palatable uh, for where I was coming from. 
But that's not what the Holy Spirit had in mind. Out of nowhere comes Maximilian Kolbe, this this wonderful saint, Franciscan, who, you know, completely unbeknownst to me after I've uh, after I've picked him, I've really gravitated towards uh, the Franciscan ideal. Uh, have several San Damiano crosses in my home, um, and just really the story of Saint Francis draws me as well. So you know that being a Franciscan, Saint Maximilian Kolbe uh, had uh, an affinity towards the Franciscan life as well, and he also had a deep devotion to Mary. And I, Mary was one of the saints that the, the veneration of Mary made me probably a little bit more nervous than any other saint. Because the other saints, you know, you say a prayer to them and then, then you're done. And there's this, this focus on Mary that coming from the Protestant church, I was less comfortable with. And yet I knew it was okay. I trusted the church, but I was uncertain. And so here I am, I'm picking Maximilian Kolbe for my, uh, my confirmation saint who founded the, the Militia Immaculata, right? So that makes sense. Uh, but I've found the intercession of Maximilian Kolbe, even when I haven't requested it, just by picking him as my confirmation saint. Uh, the intercession of Maximilian Kolbe has directed uh, and put in my life some things that, that I wouldn't have expected. Uh, the the beginning blossomings of a devotion to Mary, the affinity for those things that are Franciscan, and, and, and maybe more that I'm just not even aware of yet. But I know that those people who, who watched me become Catholic, who were not Catholic themselves, the, the whole idea of praying to the saints was a little disconcerting, and, and certainly was to me early on as well, before I came into the church. And so... Uh, I know that they had problems with it. And I know that maybe you're like me and you had problems with it. Maybe you don't anymore. Maybe you're not sure how to express it just right. And so I wanted to talk some about the communion of the saints, about prayer to the saints specifically. And what are Protestant brothers and sisters? What they, what makes them very nervous is primarily uh, an issue of words. Uh, When they say the word prayer, when they talk about praying, to them, that word carries a connotation uh, intrinsically tied to worship. They pray to God alone. They worship God alone. And they see prayer as an act of worship. And we as Catholics, we still, you know, we never change our words. Uh, If you go into Mass before you go to your pew, you uh, face the tabernacle where the manifest presence of Christ is. Uh, dwells, and you genuflect, right? You know that word, you genuflect. Uh, if you don't know that word, it, it means to bend the knee. But we don't say we bend the knee. We don't say we bow. We say we genuflect. Because why? Because we never change our words. <laughs> now, some of those words are pretty obvious that we don't change them. If I say genuflect, you know that that's not a word we use in everyday conversation. And yet pray has changed meaning over time, as well, and we we still use that. So when a Protestant uses pray, they're thinking of a term uh, that describes an act of worship, whereas we're thinking kind of this Shakespearean idea of, I pray you, tell me, and moving on, right? The, the prayer is merely uh, asking. It's a request. It's a kind of uh, conversation. And so for us, when we say prayer, and we say prayer to the saints, 
it's really not that big a deal. We don't associate it with an act of worship. We associate it with asking a question. And so that's the first thing to realize is that we're coming from a different place from our Protestant brothers and sisters and the way they use the word prayer. So they're like, uh, they would say, well, you worship the saints and, and we adamantly say, no, we don't worship the saints. We pray to the saints and they're hearing, no, we don't worship the saints. We worship the saints. Uh, and so we have to realize that our words uh, are carrying a connotation that we're not intending. Uh, but some people say, well, why, why would you go pray to the saints? Why wouldn't you just pray directly to Jesus? Well, we would say we do pray directly to Jesus, but we also seek the intercession of people who know what we're going through, who have been there before, uh, and who care about us, right? They would do the same thing when they're going through a difficult time. They would pray to Jesus and ask Christ to help them and to assist them in that difficulty. And then they would also go and get on the prayer chain at the church. And then they would call and maybe put out a call on Facebook and put a picture up and say, pray for this person. So they're asking for the intercession of the whole church, uh, as broad and as far as they can get on their social media and through their, their phone tree. Well, for us, we're doing the same thing. We're asking for the intercession of the whole church. And of course, earlier we talked about the church, uh, the church militant, the church suffering, and the church triumphant. Well, that church triumphant, those who are sitting before the throne of God, they are able to truly pray without ceasing. Uh, they being around the throne of God in the heavenlies, not bound by time, are able to offer those requests continually to God. And people say, well, but they, they can't, they're in heaven. They can't, they can't hear all the prayers at once. I mean, how do they hear all the prayers at once? Well, we're attributing earthly realities to heaven, heavenly realities. We're thinking about uh, if you had a million people all trying to get your attention at once. And yet we see from the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he is able to do things resurrected that we weren't able to do, right? He can walk through walls into a, into a locked room. We also remember that the saints who are around the throne in heaven uh, have not yet experienced the resurrection of the body. They're pure spirit. And so there's a number of things that we just can't really wrap our minds around when we think about it in an earthly reality. They are what we do know from the book of Revelation is that the saints who are before the throne of God have in their hands bowls of incense. And the scripture says, which are the prayers of the saints, which they offer to God. And so here somehow they've received prayers that they are offering to God. Uh, and I believe that we give them our prayers. We ask them to pray for us and then they take those prayers and they offer them to God. So now we have the whole church, truly the whole church praying for us in our time of need uh, and so this is really uh, no different than calling up and saying, hey, would you put me on on the prayer list? And then people would say, oh, but they're dead. And the Bible says you're not supposed to pray to the dead. Isn't it sinful to communicate with the dead? And Jesus' response to that is telling. Uh, Jesus said, uh, when speaking of the resurrection, that God said he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. These people are before the throne of God, seeing him face to face in a way that we can't understand. We see in part, they see in full. They are now more alive before the throne of God than we can ever imagine. And yes, there is a prohibition in the book of Deuteronomy against 
communicating with the dead against uh, necromancers and sorcery and some other things along those lines. But that's not what we're doing when we are talking about prayer to the saints. Uh, What is being condemned is trying to get information out of the dead, right? So it's out of Deuteronomy 18, uh, and it says uh, that that condemns soothsayers, augurs, sorcerers, charmers, mediums, wizards, and necromancers because, quote, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brethren. Him shall you heed. And so for us, uh, we can't, we shouldn't be asking them to do anything for us. We're asking them to pray for us. We're not asking them to talk to us or give us answers about the future or to tell us which way to go because God has given us living voices in the magisterium And he's also placed in us his Holy Spirit to give us direction. Rather, when we go to the saints, we're asking them to pray for us because they've gone through the things we've gone through. They understand what it's like to deal with our frustrations and our problems. Now, Christ also, our great high priest, he understands we pray to Christ, but we also pray and ask the saints to intercede for us because they they know what it's like. They've been there. And they care for us. They're praying on behalf of the whole church. They cheer us on. They inspire us. They encourage us. And their holiness urges us on to live holy lives as well. Join the conversation over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Tell me about your favorite saint. Hashtag Saints Go Marching In. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today here on All Hallows Eve. We're talking about all saints. We're talking about the communion of the saints uh, and what that means for us. And that I love that homily that we read in the first segment uh, by St. Bernard of Clairvaux, telling us what the, what the, the celebration of the saints is truly for. It's not on their ben- benefit. It's not for their behalf. It's for us. Because when we focus on the saints, it draws our attention to holiness, to heroic virtue, to things that are demanded and required of us in our walk with Jesus Christ. Uh, And so the saints, they are that great cloud of witnesses that the writer of Hebrew talks about. And what is the result of the great cloud of witnesses? We see in Hebrews 12, therefore, now, Whenever you see a therefore in scripture, you have to figure out what it's there for, right? So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and every sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that lay before him endured the cross despising its shame and has taken up the seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is it. This is why we have the saints. This is why we look to the saints because in looking to the saints, they strengthen us. They encourage us. 
They urge us on to run the race that's set before us and to do what? Not to look to them as our salvation, not to ask them for any great thing, but to fix our eyes on Jesus. By looking to the saints, we are directed to Christ. We're directed to see how Christ can invade a life so fully, take over a life so completely, that that life is spent in glorious service to him. So when we pray to the saints, when we ask for their intercession, when we look to the saints for examples of heroic virtue, we're not doing it to become like them. We're doing it to become like Christ. We become saints. Our goal, our desire is not just to venerate those who have gone before, but to become saints along with them. I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. And so that's the profound picture of the communion of the saints. Now, uh, we're kind of playing that out with the kids in a, in a different way. Of course, we have several wonderful books on the lives of saints that are really directed at their age group. I'll put links to those. I promise, I promise uh, I will put links to those on social media. It's been a little difficult with the move and all to get everything up onto social media that I promise you I will put up. But this time I do promise we're going to put up some wonderful books that talk about the lives of the saints. And then we're having a little fun with Halloween this year. All right. Tonight, uh, as we get ready to go out with the kids, they are all dressing up as their favorite saint. Uh, So my oldest is going as St. Francis of Assisi, and uh, well, I'll see if we can get a picture put up of everybody. I've got uh, I've got a St. Francis of Assisi and my oldest. Uh, I've got a St. Mary because, you know, if you don't know who your favorite saint is, of course, it's St. Mary. Uh, She's the easy one. Oh, yeah. Mary. Yes. It's like uh, the Sunday school answer. Uh, and then we have we have a wonderful St. Michael the Archangel, and he is quite uh, quite amazing. The mom did a great job on those costumes, my darling bride. Uh, and then we have a St. Therese of Lisieux, and I think that we have a, uh, a little pope. He's not, not uh, dressed up as any specific saint, just a, a generic pope, uh, hopefully one of the, the excellent popes in recent memory. Uh, and, and not one of the questionable ones from, from way back when we're just not going to even go there. So it's, it's all saints. So I'm sure it's one of those saintly popes. Uh, we'll say it's St. John Paul II, just, just to be safe, but they are already dressing up like saints, uh, to, to see the, the beauty and the value of living a saintly life. They already have as their heroes, uh, those who have lived lives of heroic virtue. So uh, let's do this. Uh, Of course, you, uh, I want to know about your favorite saint. I want you to tell me about your favorite saint and you're giving me the hashtag uh, saints go marching in, but let's add to this. I'm going to give something away this week. I'm going to give away, uh, let's see, I'm going to give away a book of saints for Catholic moms, uh, 52 companions for your heart, mind, body, and soul uh, by Lisa Hendy of Ave Maria Press. And uh, here's the criteria. Here's how you could win a copy of that book sent straight to you free of charge for your reading pleasure. This is all you have to do. Every year, Jimmy Kimmel on his television show, uh, he does uh, this thing where he gets all the parents to say, hashtag Jimmy Kimmel. I, uh, I took away all my kids. I told my kids I took away all their candy. And we see in these videos uh, pictures of extreme vice of anger and of sadness and wailing and gnashing of teeth and sometimes great disrespect toward the parent 
uh, because they videoed their children telling them they ate all their candy. Uh, We, because we're talking about the communion of the saints and how they draw us to heroic virtue, right? We're going to do something the other direction. Uh, I want you to find, I want you to take a picture of your kid in their Halloween costume. Now, uh, the specific costume I want, I want you to take a picture of your kids in a saint costume. If you, uh, if your kids are dressing up as saints this year, then this is what you want to do. You want to take a picture of them in their saint costume and you're going to give it the hashtag same hashtag as before hashtag saints go marching in and uh, then i'm going to take a look through all of those hashtag saints go marching in tags and i'm going to find random number generator i'm going to find one of those people uh, to be the winner of this week's drawing for the uh, the book of saints for catholic moms 52 companions for your heart mind body and soul from ave maria press and then the rest of us will get to enjoy uh, the handiwork of because they, they don't make saint costumes right you have to cobble them together from uh, whatever you can manage so this year our saint francis of assisi is actually a uh, an obi-wan kenobi costume uh, but instead of a lightsaber, he has uh, a bird, right, to sit on his shoulder that we got from Hobby Lobby. Uh, and, um, yeah, a little rope rope belt. But, you know, you have to cobble these things together as best as you can. And I want to see how you did it. Well, if you missed any part of this show, you can get them on archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.